All right, welcome to episode 182, I believe, of Together BHA. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm joined by Adam and Craig, as per usual. Uh, Craig, how was the vacay? It was very good, thank you. Yeah, uh, obviously, I missed I missed last week. Um, I missed I missed watching it as well, so that was that was a shame. But it was it was very nice, thank you. Um, good to be back. Good, good. Uh, Adam, how was the how was the non vacay? Oh, uh... Yeah, yeah, great, great, uh, yeah, yeah, wonderful stuff. It is my uh, so, birthday tomorrow, though. So it's, you know, it's, there's something. Twenty five again, ooh. pretty good. You love to see it. You really do. Uh, well, happy birthday for tomorrow. This is not a bad gift to be given early days. Um, so we are joined, and uh, you're gonna have to tell me exactly how to pronounce that uh, to make sure I get it right. But uh, we are joined by another uh, early-ish American fan in his in his Albion. Uh, debut um quite apt given that major lead soccer uh, got flexed to nbc um, and we're just introducing a plethora of Albion mm-hmm. fans like the propaganda is coming in hard so uh, if you want to introduce yourself uh, let us know a little bit about yourself Definitely. and really just your origin story would be fun just to find out how you picked Albion of all teams uh, and go from there so uh my my name is scooch my real name is mike but uh, my nickname is Scooch. It's been my nickname forever, so I just everybody just calls me that. Uh, I'm originally from New York. I grew up there my whole life, and now I live in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Love it down here. I uh, love the atmosphere. It's really, really great compared to being in New York, even though New York is New York. It's the Big Apple. Um, my origin story for Albion is actually pretty pretty awesome. Um, most of you probably have heard of the name Andy Bajana. Bajana. Um if you haven't, he he's a guy is like, in New York, right? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, growing up in New York and living in New York, um, when NYCFC became a thing, um, that was the team that I followed for a very long time. Uh, I was a season ticket holder for the first season uh, before I moved uh, well, down was, here. That was the David Villa year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, David Villa. Yeah. Was the David Villa? That was the mixed discaroon. That was when we. That's when they. Uh, that's when they went and drafted Kyrie Shelton. Like it was big. It was huge. Yeah. And uh, Andy is like one of the faces of NYCFC. I will. I'll just put it out there. He is the super fan. He goes everywhere for the team. Um, He has like, it's just crazy. And he's really, so for him, he has an early story of Albion as well. Like he started following him, I believe, because his ex-girlfriend was a Crystal Palace fan. So he wanted to follow somebody too. <laughs> I believe that how that's how it went there. But um Yeah, no, you're exactly right. It, yeah, he uh, he came on he he his claim to fame was obviously the dancing that he did. The dancing uh, and the songs yeah, I mean, and the yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and he um yeah. but he's the reason why I became an Albion fan. Um, we've, we've talked, we've actually never officially met. We're actually meeting for the first time next month. Um, we're actually going to meet at the Charlotte FC versus NYCFC game. He's coming down for that. Uh, and I'll be down there for the game as well. And, um, it's the first time we'll ever meet. And I always thank him. I'm like, thank you so much for giving me the Albion. And that's what I always say to him because, um, in that year of promotion was the year that I became a fan. Um, I really didn't know much about it. I still, to be honest, I being newer in the whole football, like being being newer because American football was always what I watched. American football and hockey was always what I watched, and that's what it was. Uh, but I have been a Celtic fan since I was uh, about four years old. I will t- I will put that out there. I've been a Celtic FC fan since I was a kid. Uh, my my great grandfather was a huge Celtic fan, being from Glasgow. 
Um, he was a huge Celtic fan. So, but yeah, that's the, that's pretty much how it happened. Like I just, he, he told me about their origin story. He told me about the stories, like the awesome. And he just kind of gave me that whole like underdog story. And I would rather pick an underdog story over a top flight team any day of the week. Uh, that's just how it is. And to see what they've done and to see what's going on right now, it is truly so awesome to be a fan right now. It really is. And I, Graham Potter, love him to death. I think he's the best thing to happen out beyond in a very long time. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. He, like I said, he's the reason why I became an Albion fan, and I've watched ever since. Uh, still learning a lot of the verbiage, and still learning a lot of everything that has to go with with so- soccer, football, like everything. Like it's it's just, but it's so exciting to be able to watch it and learn from like guys like you watching the show and like and doing all that kind of stuff and like being living in Charlotte now and being a massive Charlotte FC fan for the MLS. Um, I've got them tattooed right on my arm. Like I, I, I love them to death. They're, they're amazing. The fans are amazing. Uh, and to see what the United States is doing with soccer right now is, is pretty exciting, whether it be the U S team or, or being MLS and, and also having these bigger teams come over here, like Chelsea, like Chelsea coming to play uh, Charlotte FC and, and us beating them. But um Either way, like I said, it's, it's super excited to see uh, what's going on in the world of that kind of sport. And so that, to be honest, this is going to be the first year where I don't watch American football at all. I just don't have a passion for it anymore. I have a passion for the Albion and, and passion for soccer. And, and hockey's the other sport I love, but, like, I just have a passion for it. So, yeah, that's that's it. That's what I got for you guys. Hey, is, is Andy – and that's great, by the way. Is and, yeah. Andy's the guy – doesn't he get his ass out a lot and take photos? Yes. He have a tattoo. He has a tattoo. He has an Albion tattoo on his ass cheek. Yeah, yeah Christ. He's been, on, he's been on the podcast yeah. a few times. Uh, Hopefully not guys. that vividly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no, this was this was prior to uh, us get, getting the webcams out. Uh, yeah, he wanted, me to tell you, he wanted me to tell you <laughs> hi, too. He said uh, he wanted me to say hi to you from, from him. I messaged well, him I'll, saying I'll, I'll be the at show. That. Uh, I'll be at that NYFC Perfect. game. Awesome. Uh, so uh, we'll uh, we'll have to get together. Um, yeah, I'd love to meet him in person. He's he's the, a great, the legend. Great dude. He he really is an, a United States Albion legend. He really is. Like he's the first he's the first U.S. fan that I really knew of of the Albion. And then meeting the guys from like stateside, like everything from stateside Seagulls. And uh, I have a couple other friends of mine that have talked about it as well too. But like it's just it's awesome. It really is. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that no uh, story with us. And I feel like there's bajillions of them. Um, and I think next year, next year, when this preseason comes around and I'll be there. Brighton, Brighton travel over to you, uh, you're probably going to hear a lot more stories like this. So it's yeah. exciting times. It's... Um, now so we're a bandwagon team. We're a bandwagon team now. We are, we are a bandwagon team. <laughs> if you're, if you've uh, been a fan prior to now, then now you're for sure. Exactly, you can, yeah. You can say you, you picked an underdog. After Honestly, now? Uh, I don't know. Not anymore. I really don't don't see it. <laughs> yeah, so so before we went into this game, uh, like I said, US base wise, NBC actually really did flex that game. Uh, it's supposed to be Chelsea Leicester today on USA Network for those in the US, um, and they swapped it to Leeds Brighton because of the amount of eyes that were consistently on Leeds United, due to the obvious, right? Aronson, Adams, Marsh in charge, uh, mm. and the great start they'd had to the season. Um, so for those uh, 
you know, just around the world, not just in the UK. This was a big one for, for international eyes uh, on Brighton today. Uh, we were at home, which is, you know, traditionally not our best place to be for, for games like this as of late. Um, and we'd made one change to the starting lineup. Poor Adam Lalana uh, inevitably succumbed to an injury three games into the season uh, and was immediately replaced uh, by Purvis Estepinion. Um, how were we feeling looking at that lineup? Just the one change, uh, and then obviously, and we'll get to this uh, probably shortly after we discuss the starting lineup. Uh, Morpe was gone; uh, he's off to Everton, so we will discuss that. But how were we thinking about uh, the introduction of Ferguson to the the bench, um, and just in general, uh, Craig? If you want to start, yeah, um, I think we'll we'll get into individual performances as well. But it, this seemed like a very safe sort of change to make i think obviously pushing trossard up a little bit more um is always going to help his his chance creation um we'll probably talk about his finishing um but just around having trossard further up the pitch is is always nice um and yeah um he he came in like purvis came in and yeah didn't really set a foot wrong today so um it it, it looked like a very a very comfortable sort of uh, 11 and again you don't want to change that too much if we're on the streak that we're on so um look good if it ain't broke don't fix it um but the lana's broke so we we had to fix it <laughs> christ i i went into this game though i think a lot of the fans went into this game are uh, hesitant uh and concerned about what would come out of it especially how leeds have been playing our home form as you mentioned um I saw a lot of people talking about, you know, maybe we get a point out of this game. Um, so seeing the team and SC Pinion coming in, Lalana being out worried me a little bit. I know we got to reshuffle and, and as you say, Trossard got to play in a more natural position. Obviously, SD Pinion was playing in a natural position. The, the, the team looked good, but I still think there was some trepidation there. Um, and I do want to talk about his opinion as well because I, I, I sort of agree with you, Craig. Like, he looked really good in parts. He scared the shit out of me a couple of times, though, I'll be honest with you. Um, and uh, he, he, well, uh, he could have hypothetically given away one, maybe two goals with some of the things he did. Outside of that, though, I think if we get rid of those blemishes, um, guy looked really, especially the first few minutes with that Leeds press, three players around him, and he's just like, I don't care. I've seen this before. I played Champions League football. See ya. Um, so more to come there, but yeah, scared before the, before the start of the game, I was concerned. Josh is just, uh, choking in case you're, you're not on the, uh, it's like the second time I've had that happen in four games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I, we I don't scared. choke uh, in the next few <laughs> games. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I was equally uh, worried. We've and you know we've talked about this uh, for a season together now as a group, and we, I've talked about it for every season since we've been in the Premier League. Um, we traditionally suffer against teams that engage in a really high press, um, and I expected us to to have that happen to us today, given that that's their entire gimmick, right? That's their shtick, um, and yet it didn't happen at all. Um, we, like you said, that the, the level of quality on display was so far ahead of everybody else. Uh, and a couple of, couple, just to jump in here, uh, next opponents, uh, Fulham, yeah. scored at the Emirates uh, with friggin' Alexander Mitrovic getting another one. But I was uh, did told not expect Mitrovic winning the league. I, I was also not expecting to be able to talk about uh, 
Mitrovic and Pascal Gross in the race for the Golden Boot, but here we are. <laughs> um, Scooch, from your from your perspective, you know you had uh, you had a lot of Americans uh, on the, on the Leeds United side. They've had a great start to the season, um, and and we'd made the one change, so not really too much to to talk about in terms of the changes. Everything but pretty consistent. How were you? How were you feeling from your side? I'm sure you have a lot of US national fans around you that happen yeah. to talk about Leeds yeah, right now. That, what was definitely. your thoughts? Uh, for me, I've been saying this since last season, and I feel like it's it, it always just stays the same for me. When Robert Sanchez is between the pie, I just he, I just feel like we have a chance every time. I just think he is he is fantastic. I think he is top three, if not the best goal, goalkeeper in the Premier League right now, and that's just. Like I said, my personal opinion, but I just think bold. every single yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, but bold, but it's it's he is playing on another level, and I think um, either way, the lineup was I think just that, like you said, he he scared me a few times. He won a he scared me a few times watching him, but like Craig said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Keep it, keep the keep the ship steady, and we'll just keep rolling on. And I'm I'm excited to play Fulham because my boy Duffy is is there, even though I'm a, I'm a super Duffy fanboy. Um, but either way, I think like I said, it was a great game, and I was I wasn't nervous. I've I honestly have not been getting nervous going into these games, watching them, who whatever we play, just because of Graham. I think Graham just lets lets his team do their thing and and change it. And like I said, like you said, if it's not bro, don't fix it. Yeah, uh, and what we watched for that first forty five minutes is something that we've seen an awful lot. Uh, I think <laughs> over the years under Graham Potter, um, and that's not that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's just kind of frustrating, right? Um, we saw uh, what must have been, and I'm not sure. I, at the halftime, I'll have to have a look at what the XG was, uh, but I dread to think how bad it was. Uh, but we saw a host of chances go missing uh, or just not be taken at all. Uh, Leandro Trossard, I'm looking at you especially. Um, <laughs> twice he tried to cut in instead of just hit the ball with his left foot, which we saw him do because he scored a beauty against Spurs in the last minute with his left foot. Uh, but alas, it wasn't to be. Um we are we're slowly starting to look a bit more dangerous at set pieces. I noticed today um, would have been nice to score one, uh, but that first half. I mean, it, I'm sure that you probably are going to say the same as me, but it had shades of oh no, like here we go again, right? It looked like we were walking into the same trap we've walked into for the last two or three years. Uh, whether it was going to end nil nil or one nil to them in the 93rd minute, uh, it felt that way, didn't it? Pretty much all the way through that first half. Yeah, I, I just like you said, you, you have that sort of flashback to, to all of those home games in the last few years where nothing seems to be well, everything's going right apart from the finish. Um, and yeah, a, a few array decisions. And um, like you said, we're, we're singling out Trossard as well, but March missed a couple of chances as well. There's obviously one in the second half we'll get to, but in the first half, he had a couple of shots, but. He's hitting them straight at Melier, and it's it's another chance that goes begging. Um, and I think from a Leeds front, we were talking about that sort of high press. I just I don't think they were up to it at all. And I think you'll you'll see Jesse Marsh's sort of comments post game, where he's just saying it just wasn't good enough. And um, so when when we're talking about that sort of high press and what they're trying to do, you, you remember they're only four games into this sort of sort of thing. You know when they have a full preseason under their belt. Um, I think it was just too easy for us to 
to navigate and and, and go around. Uh, it created too many chances for us, but we just we couldn't pull it away. Um, yeah, same, same old story um, uh, until we get into the second half, which I thought was a completely different game. Yeah, it was... <laughs> It was such an exhausting first half to watch because there was an inevitability about it. Um, and I would have bet a lot of money Leeds just scored on a counter. All right. It, it, how many times have we seen that over the past couple of years? They just sprint up and suddenly it's 1-0, despite the fact that we've had all of the ball, all of the chances. Uh, Gross was outstanding in the first half. Uh, was pretty much central to anything that we created. And, and as you say just the, the the wasted opportunities presented to Trossar and and uh, March, where if you, you have players that are better in front of goal, with all due respect to them, we go into that, that half-time 2-0 up at least. Um, I know that it's, it's, it's hard to look down on this and, and try and pick out faults in the game after we where we're at. And based on that Fulham goal, we're currently back to second place in, in the Premier League right now would now a run coming up of three games that are absolutely winnable games for us to then basically focus on the negatives. But we don't want to be in a position further, a few months further down when we actually really are fighting for something, right? We're all now excited and thinking, what could we do this season? What could we really do this season? And you see, you know, March shank a shot when we're a point off the, you know, Europa League spot or something like that in, in March. So... <sighs> That's the downside to me, uh, but we probably at some point will get onto transfer talk and talk about forwards. Again, it's not a number nine problem, really, is it? It wasn't Welbeck flummoxing those chances. It was the other players. So there's another discussion to have there, but first half, all over them, all over them. Yeah, we uh, we are not going to, if we want to be serious about this title race, uh, we need to we need to start putting away our chances. <laughs> we need to start putting away our chances. Um, but we we have talked about it at length, right? Like the the thing that Welbeck does that that Morpé wasn't able to do is bring so many other players into the game while also simultaneously stretching the back line. He could bring people in, but they are able to just put themselves at such a strong block of four by four that we just we still can't break through with Welbeck. I mean, we saw it in the lead up to the goal. That's exactly how it happened. Uh, he stretched them and it allowed our team to, to press and just exploit the space big time. Um, yeah. It's those players behind him. Trossard, Solly March, uh, you know, the only one you trust at this point is Pascal Gross. And it takes the him only eight one. years. It takes him eight years to get in the box because he's also the slowest <laughs> man on earth. So like you've got to you've got to be able to have the uh, the pace along with it, um, and we, yeah, I, I mean as soon as Solly March broke through, I love the boy to death. We've we've all all of us, you know, even even Scooch has, we've watched him grow up from like a boy to a man, and he's just so frustrating. He's as frustrating now as he was at eighteen. Um, you knew he wasn't going to score that one-on-one. You absolutely knew he wasn't going to score it. Yeah, there was no way, and he duffed it as well as soon as he touched it. Of course he did. But, uh, you know, I'm less I'm less annoyed at Solly because he, Solly is who he is. I'm more annoyed at Trossard because you know he's capable. And for me, Trossard was decision-making. It was the first chance. He should have just smashed it with his left foot. Worst-case scenario, right? It gets smashed. It gets it hits into the keeper. It bounces out from Melia. You had Welbeck running directly in there as well, and I think someone else was there too. So maybe you get something out of that from a rebound. But instead, he does his like 
dallying that he loves to do. And sometimes that works great. And, and he dances around three players and smashes it in the top corner. The other five times, he does what he did today. And I wish we could just have a player that just just rams that into the back of the net. At least one of them. Um, maybe we do have him and he's on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's... And I think, Craig, you said it a few times. This is this is why Leandro Trossard is a Brighton player and not uh, a, yeah. a, an Arsenal player or a Man City player or anyone else like that because he has that proneness to be so inconsistent with his decision-making. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I said in the chat earlier as well, is that these sort of XG performances go directly hand in hand when Trossard has one of these games. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it's it's so it's so similar um, that, you know, he is capable and we know that he's capable of, of pulling something out of nothing. And um, it's just days like this where, and, and granted, we, we can eat a little bit of humble pie because he did get an assist for the goal, but you you know that he's he's capable of so much better and that you could have easily gone into that half time to three nil up and it, it could have been very comfortable from then on out but we make things dif- difficult for ourselves by not finishing these chances yeah and leeds leeds came out second half a uh, little bit better didn't they um even before, before the goal they were they were fighting themselves a little bit back into the game um made a host of changes very quickly they weren't jesse marsh was not hanging around um just to talk a little bit about the referee today. Uh, very, even with the three yellow cards in the first half, he was very uh, lenient, was he not? I feel like there's other games to this this week, last week, whatever, that we would have possibly have seen a second yellow for a few challenges uh, in the first 45 minutes alone, no? Like, I feel like he was very uh, lax. And Scooch, I'd love to hear your thought on that, given that you're, uh, you know, you've you've seen some questionable refereeing in your time across the other U S sports. <laughs> um, I, but you are hundred percent correct. I feel like he was just letting him play. Um, just, just letting it play. Just not being, like I said, not being, I watched a couple of the other games these past few uh, last week and you were hundred percent right. When it comes to the referee and they were being a lot, but uh, a lot more stringent with what was going on. But I felt like they were, he was just letting them play doing their thing. And I, I think honestly, like at the end of the day, sometimes it just should kind of happen. Uh, like in American sports, they just let it happen and, and let things go. But um, I think it boded well for us, for sure. It definitely helped us. And I think it definitely um, let us just, like I said, just the flow of the game sometimes is just the way when you have that momentum and then something happens to where it just kind of kicks the wind out of you a little bit, it really kind of sucks. But uh, at the end of the day, I feel like it was a, Kind of a good thing for this game, just because Leeds was coming into that attack a little bit stronger towards the end of the second half too. Because we, I, I messaged you, Josh, and I said I, this feels like last year's Leeds Brighton game, where Leeds is starting to push and push and push, and then they finally scored in that in those late minutes, and it just it started reminding me of that. And I think with the with it being more lax, it was able for us to just keep keep that control a little bit more, even though we didn't have overall the game the possession. I feel like. The, the pieces that we had going for us was a lot stronger than Leeds at, at times. There was, um, I, we've got to be careful what we wish for a little bit because Adam Webster could have been sent off too. Uh, so that there, was, yeah. there is that. That was a bit of an egregious challenge. But I also, I think Jesse Marsh should have been in the stands. I know it's a bit beside the point, but that he, he lost his call in a big way. Like, you, I've seen managers get sent away just for doing what he did with lobbing the ball on the ground, but then he got really mouthy as well. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have liked to see him up in the stands, to be honest with you. He was like that for the United States men's team. So he got he got booted a few times. Were they in any off. competitive games, though? It wasn't even that. <laughs> so God, no, no, no. It's, uh, <laughs> it's either way. But like when, we, when we've played friendlies, he used to get so – like just particular about certain things and get so angry that I'm I'm just like, that's going to be the downfall. I think that's the downfall of him to be honest is the, his, he's got passion. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The dude's got passion. It's awesome to see. And it's awesome to see an American coach coaching in the premier league. It really is. It's really cool to be able to see that. And it's also cool to see some U S players that are in there too. I know Jack isn't considered a U.S. player, he's but hot, sort of, isn't he? Yeah. He played Wake Forest. Like he said he played Wake Forest. I actually watched him play. Like he, he's and he's a really good kid. Really, like just a top notch kid. And like, like you said, technically he he is, but it's just, um, Marsh is going to get himself in some trouble if he if he continues with the attitude that he's had when he put when he was coaching the U.S. men's team too. Yeah, man, it's not being funny. It's just yeah, it's, you know, we're no, you, you, we're, we're like four games in. It's, it, he's lost his call already. Like, you know, I, under, I understand the passion, but you you have a game. You have a game to coach. Yeah. You have a game to yeah. coach. You need to do what you got to do. You combine that with the atrocious refereeing that we've seen in this league the last couple of years as well. He's uh he's gonna rack up a few cards, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and you saw his players lose discipline. At the same time, didn't you? Aronson totally lost his head shortly after that. Uh, and it seemed to just permeate throughout the team. They'd already were cynical fouls after cynical foul. Um, and then once he kicked off like that, you felt like the entire discipline throughout the team just evaporated. Um, and and at that point, it felt less and less likely there was going to be a goal scored. Yeah. So young. And when you have a young coach like that, too, and they're kind of hanging, they're kind of hanging on every word he says. So at the end of the day, if he's getting so frustrated and they're just like, well, I guess we're just going to do the same thing and just kind of do what we – that's what it kind of looked like after a while. It was like, oh, well, coach is mad, so let's get mad too. And yeah, it just it's just not how it works. Like he, I think that's the, what I love about Grand Potter is he can get upset. Like he, We've seen him get upset. But he is so professional and just so like to the point – like his guys feed off him and the energy that he brings to that team is what feeds on him and makes him a good coach. That's really that's really what it is, and Marsh needs to realize, hey, like, I need to be like this, and need to learn needs to learn a thing or two from Potter to to, to get better. Well, Potter shows that emotion after the but once once it's all said and done, that's when the exactly. emotion comes out. Mm-hmm. It makes it all the more kind of important in some ways because he's such a has this such calm demeanor that when it does come out, you're like, oh god, he, even he's happy. Look at that, exactly. he must yeah, have done exactly. well. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, um, let's talk about the goal. Uh, VAR had a good long look at it, um, but upon the replays, there was a specific angle that they popped onto, uh, and as soon as they did, I knew it was onside because uh, just to the naked eye, it looked clearly on. Um, but those first few, not not so not so clear cut. Um, but first of all, great ball up to Danny Welbeck, um, and you know what a great piece of hold up play um, to bring everybody into it. And then it's the it's the Graham Potter. Potable that we know and love. Uh, three or four touches of the ball, uh, and Pascal Gross, cool as you like, slots it into the bottom corner. Um, I mean, what an unbelievable start to the season he's had. Uh, but at that point, they had just made uh, several substitutions, um, and we kind of capitalized right off the back of that. And I think we're starting to see that in a few games this season already. This is game four, like week four. Um, and not just for Brighton, but 
I mean, I'm sure that all of us have watched a lot of football after the summer because we're all desperate for it to get back into it. Uh, but these these five subs are both a blessing and a curse. And we talked about this before the start of the season that you've got to be careful with the wholesale changes because it can mess up a rhythm. Um, and that's really what it did because they looked totally disorganized uh, after that set of substitutions that racked up. And we went ahead and scored straight away from it. Um, and, and from then on, you know, Marsh lost his head. We were just talking about that. Uh, but, you know, from that goal onwards, everything looks a lot sweeter until the kind of the last 10 minutes with the inevitable pressure. Um, but Pascal Gross, what is going on here? Where has this man come from? Again, um, his stats are outrageous today. We'll talk about it again when we get to that sort of stuff. But four game, four games, three goals, one assist. That's a goal involvement every single game so far. Uh, worth noting that we have played Manchester United in that group. We have played Super Billionaires Newcastle in that group. We've just played a high-flying Leeds in that group. Um, Pascal Gross, what more is there to say? He's, he's, he is aging like a fine wine, isn't he? Uh, like, a, like a German Riesling. Um, it, it's, I, don't, I genuinely don't know how to do it. His, his, positioning is, his positioning is so superb. And that goal, like out of every chance we created... Credit where it's due, I will say the chance in the first half that um, went to Trossard, one of them, there was a through ball from Danny Welbeck that was one of the best through balls I've seen this season. It was stunning, just close enough to the defender where it completely gazumped him. And and obviously, we we know what happened after that. But the actual goal, I think it started with Estupinian had the ball. It went to Caicedo. It went to Welbeck. It went to Trossard. It went to Gross. It was just, that's what you want from this team. That's that's the goal you want to score. I feel like I've said that a few times, but when you see it, you're like, oh God, that's just superb. Like that's that's what we want to see. Um, just everyone being the bit part player in some ways and being greater than some of the parts and, and gross lucky to be in the right place at the right time. A little bit of luck and a little bit of his masterful positioning. Right, just, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. He's just one of the most intelligent footballers you've you've seen in a while just he knows where to be and he knows how to do things um just a very high football IQ on him um alongside his his technical ability when you see him in that role in that natural role that you put him in um you know we've seen him at right wing back we've seen him sort of everywhere but when when you use him properly uh he's he's just and like the, the vein of form that he's in as well if you think about the way that he ended last season as well. He's just picked up right where he came from. Um, and, and you're talking about a player that's, yeah, like you said, playing out of his skin right now and at his full potential. Uh, and at, what, 31, is he? 31. Um, very, very good. Um, yeah, just another outstanding performance from him. Yeah. Uh, talking of how this game was won, high-flying leads, right? Let's not take anything away from them. They did just dick Chelsea 3-0 last week. They were, They are in... They were in excellent form. Um, so I guess the question is, because NBC aren't going to do it, they gave us 40 seconds and then turned us off because they are upset that the USA lost. Um, but let's talk about how we won, right? Because people are going to look back at this and they're going to think, well, this lead side just put three past Chelsea. Uh, they've, you know, they've scored in every single game so far. What's going on here at the Amex? Um, I think there's two parts of it that I've looked at. One of them, um, is the amount of passes or lack thereof in the final third. Uh, we allowed them nothing in the final third. 
they had less passes in the final third than anywhere else. Bear in mind that for the Albion, we have more final third passes than pretty much anywhere else as well. Um, we only allowed them to get to the middle of the park before pressing heavily. Uh, and they had no idea how to deal with it. And no team has done that to them yet. Secondly, the absolute 0% lack of counterattacks that Leeds had today. They had none. Zero on the stat board. They didn't conduct a single counterattack. Bear in mind how much of the ball they had in the final third in the first place. It was ripe for counter. Like we were there. We were there to be countered by a better side today. And we stopped them in the middle of the park and in that middle third so well that they they couldn't execute either their possession-based plan, where they, they did exactly what we did today and press in the middle, win the ball back and attack hard. And they had no way of counterattacking because they just didn't execute at all because we were so good in the middle of the field. And I think for those people that are watching that and wondering how on earth that Leeds team have been so good before, I think that's that's your story. And I think that story centers around just how good Moises Caicedo and Alexis McAllister have been because they they dominated the middle of the bar today. Yeah, there's, there's, I feel like there's also something a little bit to, and I think it's a great point, is they, at least in their last two games, they've gone ahead relatively early and taken the lead and then built on that. And then they can just basically sort of strangle the other side and 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 do that press and start to have that confidence. Again, like we talked about, it's a young team. And I think they need some of that. I think they were rattled, like we saw with Marsh, right? They, they were rattled a bit just of how they were essentially in the first half didn't get to do a damn thing, did they? Um, it was fully controlled. But what really surprised me, and I'm not sure if you you probably, I know you love to dig into the stats, Josh, but from a passing standpoint, like passing accuracy standpoint today, this was our worst performance of the year. That was pretty bad. We had only one player in our team that was over 75% pass accuracy, and that was Adam Webster. Um, just to give you some context, last week we had the entire team over 75% pass accuracy against West Ham. So that, that, yes, they didn't counter, but I think that first half looked great for us, but we, we felt more direct uh, and we were trying to be a little bit more focused down the wing. We send a lot on the left-hand side with Estupinion. He was heavily involved, as you saw. More, most chances created out of anyone on the pitch today, three from Estupinion. I think that's the absence of Lalana. But the second half was just... Leeds had more of the ball there. It wasn't a counterplay, but they were just didn't seem to do anything with it. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a weird second half, and I think you, you look at this game, and, and we will look back on it, and we'll say this: it was messy. It wasn't our best performance, and but then you, you obviously take the positives from that, and you say that we weren't at our best, and we still we still get the result. Um, I think I, I messaged you both at like 80 minutes and I said, this isn't comfy at all because it, part of it was the natural pressure of being one nil up at, at 80 minutes. Um, but also, you're right, we, we didn't seem at our comfortable selves of being able to knock it around the back. We, we saw it at Man United, we saw it at West Ham as well, where you felt we're, we're not in trouble here at all because we, we know what we're doing. I didn't feel that today. Um, I no, felt that here. we were we were a little bit scrappy and and it was it just felt a little bit off. So we did hold on and, and fair play. That's that's game management for you. Um, but the I guess the positive I take from that is being able to to get these results when you're not in that comfort in that comfort and, and playing to your best. So um, yeah, very strange second half. 
Justin, I see your comment in the chat. We'll get to that after the the game. We will be covering transfer stuff for sure, um, especially with the big move that happened yesterday. So don't worry. I'm not ignoring you. We will get there. Just stay tuned for the next like 10 minutes. Um, so so we did, with the first game all season, we've also made five substitutes all the way through. Um, saw a couple of new additions. Colwell on again. Uh, Van Heck as well. I think we had about eight centre-halves on at the end of the game. We did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, of that group, uh, out of interest for, for all of you as Scooch, you can start out of that group that you've seen come on, you know, your Mitomas, your Cole Wills, Van Heck getting on today, um, and a couple of the others coming on. Who who are you most excited about coming in? You know, that most of that that group that came on as subs today are the same ones that comfortably cruise past Forest Green. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of that. I, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, it was. I'm a Lamptey. I'm a big Lamptey fan, man. I, he's fast. His footwork is just like when he was. I always consider when I look at those kind of guys, like they remind me of point guards in basketball, like just kind of breaking ankles and and, and moving. And he has that. He has that ability to do so. And watching him is just fun to watch. He's a really great. Um, but Matoma is another guy I really liked watching too. Like he's. I think he's going to do great things for us. I think he's going to be one of those guys that we can we can depend on. Uh, but if I was to choose somebody that like I love seeing come off the bench all the time, I know he's still young and he's still kind of getting used. But Lamptey is definitely going to be my guy that I always like watching come off the bench. Unsurprising. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the right take in many ways, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you saw him turn someone inside out at Forest Green on Wednesday. <laughs> that was that was great. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. Back home. He's ridiculous. He's absolutely ridiculous with his footwork. Let's talk about uh, Purvis, Estepinion, shall we? Um, debut straight in, no messing around. Same as uh, same as Kukurea at Brentford last year. Um, kind of signed, hung out in Brighton for about a week, and then is immediately thrust into the deep end um, against a really high pressure side. Uh, it would lead, so he was not getting an easy start of things. Um, the inevitable comparisons are going to be made and I'm going to do them now uh, with the Kukurea move. Um, he's a lot more physical, isn't he? Uh, for me, lot, I don't even know if he is that much bigger, but he feels it presence wise on the field. Um, he is, he's got a bit more athleticism about him uh, that just everything about him looks a little bit more dangerous. Whereas Kukurea looked very stereotypical, but much more technical with the Spanish feet, probably. But he, uh, I thought he looked really good today, barring one or two really dodgy uh, crossfield balls that didn't make their man and almost had us concede. Um, especially that one where that lad almost cut himself in half at the goalpost. Sinistera, um, yeah, he's going to yeah. wake up with that one at four AM. Thinking about that, I think. Yeah, I, I saw that Leeds ended up with about one point five five xg, and I think he was about point eight of it with that miss. <laughs> Um, which goes to show how much they didn't have that many chances bar in that one, really. Um, but I, th- I thought his debut was about as good as it gets for a, for a player coming in against a team like Leeds. Um, and, I, you know, they're not having to play England for a while, so I don't have to worry about it. But Ecuador are going to be uh, really quite a dangerous side if they continue to have their players play together in this way. Um, him and Caicedo linked up very well i thought throughout the entire game um and just seemed to know instinctively where each other were going to be 
they, they, they're going to be fun to watch together. And we saw that, like you said, when we talked about the goal, they were started with a pass between the two of them. Both of them had uh, a couple of interceptions today, highest on the team. Um, he's, yeah, he's like a freight train just running up and down the wing. Um, and like you say, outside of those couple of mistakes, which if I had to hazard a guess, that's due to just knowledge of positioning, that sort of sixth sense that he'll build up over times where his, his other teammates are going to be. He was probably passing in his head to where one of his former Villarreal players was. Um, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, but it was impressive outside of that, like we mentioned. He created the most goal scored, most key passes out of anyone on the pitch. His crossing ability is really strong. Start of the second half, he had a really nice like low cross to the front post that our boy Pascal Gross just well, wasn't his best attempt in the world. Um, and there was another one in the first half where he sort of floated it into the middle and then someone else didn't do too much with it. Um, age-old story, but th- if we can get someone that actually does something with some of those crosses, he's going to be a problem for teams at both ends of the pitch. He's very good, isn't he? I think you, there's not much more you can ask from a, a Premier League debut. Um, I think we, we saw that. And again, the obvious comparisons to Kukurea are going to happen. But you remember his first game was a little bit iffy um, and then just stormed it afterwards. I think it's very difficult just to jump into the side, like you said. You know, he, he joins and then five days later, he's he's up against the high-press side that, are, that were third in the table. So, um, yeah, couldn't ask for more. And I, like you said, I think, with, with Ecuador as well, when, when Sarmiento starts playing with them as well, you know, you're going to have three compatriots playing together and that, that only bodes well for their national team as well. Let, let me ask the the key question, I suppose, here. And as I speak, um, unfortunately, we've, we've dropped down into the third Champions League spot after a goal from Arsenal, which is, is devastating. Um, would you, knowing what we know now after, well, we got, what, 15 minutes of SD Pinion last game and well, seven, six, we've basically seen him for 90 minutes. One game of Estupinion. Would you take Estupinion and 40 plus million pounds or do you want Mark Kukurea back and he's going to stay and play for the Albion for the next five years? Because I think I take the money in Estupinion. I know it's early, but I think I take it. I'm happy with how it's worked out. I mean, it's, it's early doors, but I think, you know, you you bag the forty mil and uh, a Champions League quality player, don't you? Um, yeah, it's it's proven. Uh, yeah, it could I, be I worse. I'm not saying it could be a lot worse. Like, and we, and we were we were raving on about how it took five six years to get a left back, and then we get two of these in two years. So uh, yeah, the recruitment are doing something right. Yeah, his physicality to me is what really what is what really I liked about the whole game. He played physical. He played smart. Like I said, besides those two dangerous passes that he had, uh, he was awesome. And he 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 was. I think what also the other thing too was he was super calm. He was very calm. Um, he was yeah, so calm in the bed. And he was always going forward. Like he was just regularly going forward. And like you said, besides the two sloppy passes, it honestly was a super creditable start. And I think being being starting at home is always a nice, nice little thing because the fans at home are going to love the fact that you're doing good things. But like I said, besides those two sloppy passes, I love his physicality. He reminds me of a couple of players here for Charlotte that, that are super physical and, and, and do the right things. And um, 
one is a little bit taller than him, but he he plays. I think what it is, dude. He's five nine, but he plays like he's six foot three, six foot four. Mm. I think that's what I like about the physicality with him. And like you said, I I loved Cucurella. I was a I was a huge Cucurella fan. I was super upset when he left, but I have to agree that I would rather take as of right. Like I said, we're so early, but that extra forty million is just looking really nice right now for everything else just to add and to get better as a team. Four I was minutes. I was yeah. happy before he played a minute of football, much yeah. to the much to the distaste of half of Twitter. But I was delighted. I he hadn't even kicked a ball yet. He probably hadn't even landed in Brighton. And I was <laughs> he's I was still happy. wearing yellow. Yeah, I was, and I was delighted with the deal. Uh, just on paper alone, like the pedigree of him, like yeah. it's a no brainer. Um, and you know, when you looked into those those like insanely over the top stat websites and how almost every single one of them compared him as the most comparable left back to Koku Correa in, in, in the top five leagues, it was like, okay, I guess I'd, I'm seeing the same tools at Brighton. Are. Um, I, it was, it was just an unbelievable no brainer. Um, and I mean, what a sign in it's been already. Like, and what a sign in it's probably going to be for Ecuador. Like they're going to be delighted. Uh, Cause if they have a good world cup, you know, like, like Craig said too, with, with Sarmiento there, you know, he's been injured obviously, but He'll be he'll he'll be okay. He'll fix himself up and he'll come back. But like just working in training together every day, like that's a huge like boon to any team. Like Leeds are gonna have the same benefit, right? Like just having Adams and, and Aronson and other players like playing together, like they're an immediate improvement because they already know how each other work. Um to pivot a little bit, um, because I've I've been one of the bigger well we we all have actually on the show uh I've been a bit, pretty big critic of this particular player's defensive ability uh but Alexis McAllister very good today uh marshaled that midfield uh had more tackles than anybody else he had four successful tackles uh, that's double second place um he was very good indeed uh I thought he played really well um he did get pick up that yellow card for his cynical challenge later on which is just whatever um but i thought he played really well today he looked really confident on the ball um and him and kaiseido <laughs> someone's gonna clip this but they look better they look better now than pursuma did with the way they work together that this this oh, drop and go <laughs> this drop no, and no, this no. drop and go stuff we're seeing it in the box though we're seeing like we're seeing more players in the box than we ever did with with Bissouma in the side because of the way they're allowing each other to maraud forward. It looks great. And I mean, well, the results yeah. speak for themselves. And if I could have Bissouma back, I still would. But what a duo that they're looking to be already, just four games in. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I do see what you're saying. I'm still, <laughs> you know how I feel about Alexis. But you're right, defensively he was great today. He couldn't pass the ball though. It, one of the worst pass accuracies on the team and on, and the rest of the team had a bad day as well. I'll give him credit. It was 69%, so we can have that. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. But uh, I think some of that was, some of it was all just, a, again, down to the game plan. Let's not take anything away from the man of the match, who is Graham Potter, again, because we started with a five at the back after we had to switch things up with Lalana coming out. Around the 70, 80, 75th minute, somewhere around there, we had we moved to a back four and switched things around. And as you said, Josh, towards the end of the game, when at least we're trying to do what they could do, I think we, like you say, we had how many central defenders did we have on? About 400 of them. Uh, I think we were about to try and get, you know, Ostergaard back from 
Italy at some point. Um, so no, it was it was really masterful just in terms of how that game flow worked out. And what it did is just meant that that anything that Leeds tried to do to get back into the game with a little bit of luck and fortune w- was stopped. Um, so yeah, it, it felt like a tactical, you know, the old Potter masterclass over necessarily individual player performances today for me. I, w- I will. I w- I'll back Josh and the McAllister stuff though, because I, I I thought he was good. I just that the first couple of games, I think, where we're trying to ask him to do a different role and a different job to to what maybe he's been used for in the last couple of seasons, and um, you're starting to see the fruits of that labour now with them, with him and Caicedo starting to know each other a little bit more, starting to work together a little bit more in there, and um, starting to become that well-oiled machine that the Basuma and Caicedo was, was starting to be. Um, so, yeah, I think we we know the technical ability of McAllister. And, and I think we, we've talked about on this podcast before, like, what is his best role? And, and I, I think there, there still isn't an answer to that, but it shows you that he can play in a multitude of roles. And that's why he's here, because because Potter loves that versatility of, of players and being able to to work in those positions. So long may it continue. I think he's he's very calm on the ball. And if he builds up that that rapport with, with Caicedo in the middle, um, we're in for a good season. Argentina are going to appreciate it too, mm. because that's not something they particularly have in that midfield. Um, who knows whether he'll get a role in Qatar, uh, but that kind of versatility on the international stage, I mean, we saw it with Ben White. That's why he got the call up because he can play in a multitude of roles. Uh, they're kind of the golden goose. So um, we'll, we'll see how he fares. If he gets the call up, I'll be surprised if he doesn't at this point. Um, but let's let's talk man of the match. Uh, Scooch, we'll go with you first. Uh, who who have you got as your man of the match today? And then uh, we can go in whichever order you fancy. Whoever feels like saying something next. You guys are probably gonna laugh at me, but I'm going man of the match is is, is El Capitan, Mr. Lewis Dunk. He is he's everywhere. He's all at once. He's just he, he's his decision making is flawless, and he just I really hope that he. Uh, if he keeps the, up the way he's playing right now, I hope he gets a shout from the English team, from the English national team. I really, but he he just he's always there, right place, right time. And I know he's you know what I'm saying he doesn't show the spurts of just like them like always, but he's just he's reliable. He's I always say he's kind of like a a Toyota Corolla. He's always reliable. He's always he's always there. He's always no damn dirty. <laughs> well, I can't say any like European cars because what are we going to say about them? Well, yeah. true. <laughs> But um, but no, I think Dunk is just always there. He's and he's and he's the captain for a reason. He was captain for a reason. Like he's just always there. Uh, if I was going to say anybody else, it would probably be Sanchez. Um, I think Sanchez made some great saves. Might just be the fanboy in me. I'm a fanboy for a lot of these dudes on this team, just because I think they're they're coming into their own. And I think, like I said, Dunk Dunk wise, I think he's in the best form of his career right now. He's in the best form of, of anything right now, and he's really he's really exciting to watch as a, as a defender. So that's that's who I would pick for 100. Uh, yeah, I'll go. Um, I think I, I'm going for probably the safe bet of, of Pascal Gross, just because from what we see and what he does uh, and the role that he does, and despite <laughs> despite his uh, 
lack of pace, should we say. He seems to find himself everywhere. Um, and I think Josh, you said earlier, right place, right time. I think it was Adam, sorry. Just being able to have that knowledge and that IQ uh, and being able to put that that ball through for March to be able to deliver those set pieces that we're looking more dangerous on um, to scoring a goal and, and being able to, to hit the target is, is not something we're too used to. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's Pascal Gross for me today. Gross point six crosses, um, which is pretty absurd. Uh, his set piece delivery was also pretty impressive. Some sort of missed opportunities there. It could have been even even better for us there the, too. So that that Webster header is yeah. going to haunt me for a while. Yeah, Dagan brought that up in the chat too. One of Webster missed a couple actually. At the, it was a bit of a weird day at the office for Webster, wasn't it? Um, I, I'm, I I don't really know who to give him out of the match to. Uh, this is a bad choice, but I'll do it. I, I will give it to. As to opinion, uh, even though he could have absolutely given the game away and been public enemy number one immediately, he was really impressive outside of that, especially a debut and it, it well, starting debut in, in a new league for him. Um, there were a number of times where you just felt incredibly confident with him on the ball. He, uh, he said, created really good opportunities, already felt like a, a real part of this team. And that's easier said than done. Um, so we'll give it to him, honorable mention to, to, Danny Welbeck, who continues, continues to arguably be in the best form of his career. I, I wouldn't even argue it at this point. If, if you're continuing on from last year, I, I think it's hard to argue with it. Um, I mean, you stayed fit for 10 games, which is rare enough. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, my, I'm going to join Craig. Uh, it's nothing special. Um, it's nothing flashy, but Pascal grows for me as well, which pretty much sums him up, right? He's, he doesn't do too much flashy, but like, holy shit, he gets the job done um, with with the odd gross turn involved as well. But yeah, I thought he was superb today. Uh, even defensively, he did his job statistic-wise, uh, albeit from the front, because <laughs> uh, he's not going to be tracking all the way back very often. But I thought he was superb today. Um you know, like you said, McAllister not the best day at the office with the uh, with with passes and controlling the ball going forward. Um, but pff, didn't need to be when Pascal Gross was was such a linchpin in that midfield for progress and the ball forward. Um, Danny Welbeck, though, like you said, like maybe he's been training hand in hand with Gross because some of those through balls were just glorious. Uh, like they they were straight from the the right foot of Pascal Gross it, directly. It felt like. Welbeck had been training with him directly. Um, but four games, 10 points from 12. Uh, we got four points. Again, I will say it every week. We took four points from these opening five last year. We're on 10 already. We drew away at Fulham slash whoever it was that I compare him with who went down last time. Uh, and we, we drew all of these games, actually. We drew them all except for United. Um, and we are on 10 points from 12. We are, what, third or fourth after this Arsenal win just now? As, yes, third right now. Third uh, joint points with Man City, as as predicted at the start of the year. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, and we're coming into to Craven Cottage away uh, on a Tuesday night. Generally don't have a great record against them in the Premier League away from home. Uh, it's a shame because in the Championship, we used to batter them every single time. Um, so hopefully we can find some of that form again. Um, we'll talk about Fulham in a minute. Uh, but I do want to cover the transfers first. So one of the big ones to discuss, the obvious only big one really, uh, is Neil Mope. Uh, Neil Mope is gone uh, off to Everton to play, 
I don't know, second choice, third choice? Is Anthony Gordon a striker now? I don't know. He scored today, um, played up front today. Calvert-Lewin did not. He's injury-prone as anything. Um, what role Morpé is going to play there, I don't know. Um, but the, the long and the short of it is we've recouped all of his fee. Uh, we got three seasons out of him. Uh, we got 26 goals in 102 appearances from him. Uh, and I saw somebody summarize it on Twitter really well. Uh, he didn't score many goals as a striker, but he scored a lot of really important ones. Um, and I think that's the way he's going to be remembered if people don't want to. I know he had a few people who weren't fans of him out there, but for those of us that have a little bit less uh, emotional about him, I think that's the way to look at it. Um he scored some, re- I mean, just last year alone, but in general, he scored some very important goals for us in those 26. Um, and in that respect, he'll be uh, he'll be missed. But overall, I thought it was a great move. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that we went through with it. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys think. It's hard. It's so hard to say because he's, le- he's leaving the club for a reason. He wasn't good enough, um, in my opinion. As you say, there's some incredible memories from him. That that equaliser last year Chris, uh, against Crystal Palace will stand out to me. Uh, that will stay in the memory. Incredible moment. And it, it was from the right player. And I don't think we had someone else that would even tempt something as audacious as what he did either that made it even more special. Uh, he was he was sort of our bastard in a way, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he's our, he's our thug. Um, now I think we can... He's, we're probably going to play Everton at some point and he'll be a pest and we'll hate him. Uh, I just wish he could have finished a few more of the opportunities presented on a more consistent basis because he's a player that you kind of would like to have stuck around. If he, if he, cause one season, didn't he score 12 in one of, one of his seasons here and then did eight and eight or something like that. You almost feel like if he could hold himself to that standard on a more regular basis, he, we would assign him to a longer contract and we wouldn't be doing this, this, search again potentially for for someone to replace him so um i think the deal itself i would rate incredibly highly uh to get the, a player with one year left on his contract who wasn't going to sign here to get what nearly 16 million quid for him yeah you take that any day don't you it's great that there was some weird bidding war and he nearly screwed it up by trying to pimp himself out after the nottingham forest offer but um here we are he's now playing with relegation candidates everton yeah, it's a good it's a good move for for all parties. I think you know we can't give him the time, the playing time that he he wants. He's going to run down his contract. You you sort of have to cash in. It's very similar to Basuma in a way, um, in that whole contractual sense. Uh, for us, I think we we spotted it before first game of the season. Undav comes on instead of him, shows you the pecking order of the strikers. The you know that that tells that tells everything. So good move. Um, yeah, yeah. When it comes to Everton themselves, I, I don't know if it's uh, you know that we have progressed that far that <laughs> we we can get rid of what is our third striker in in our hierarchy to Everton that wants him for fifteen mil or um or what they're thinking is there. Uh, I don't really know where he fits in in Everton, but but fair play. Uh, but I, I think Frank, Frank does either. To be honest, with you. yeah. No, <laughs> have fun with Frank. Uh, yeah. Um, the the one thing missing from Mope was probably composure. In, in being able to, to finish those chances. I, I always said he's very instinctive as a striker, and that's great. It gets us eight to ten goals a season. Um, but when he had time to think about a chance, um, he, he tend to sort of 
miss it up or overthink things. Um, but hopefully he can get over that. Hopefully he does well at Everton. Like you said, we're, we're going to hate him in about half a season time anyway. So um, that, that's just who he is. And, and that's why we loved him. And that's why we'll hate him. He can have fun with Frank Lampard. I can't stand Lampard. <laughs> but um, for me, I, I like I said, the value of it was was great. I think that's what I, I get out of it. I I know he missed a few uh, PKs last year that that would drive you insane. Um, but I like you said his composure and sometimes his attitude just wasn't just wasn't team. He wasn't a team guy. To to me, he just didn't feel like a team guy at times, and I just. What we have going right now, he like you like you guys said, he's just not part of what we have going. And for Lampard, can take him for that sixteen million and do whatever he likes with him because Lampard will be gone out of Everton in a few years anyway. A few weeks, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, where, does he, oh, was, where does where does Mope go in the ranking of French players that have played for Brighton, and why is he behind Roman Vancelot? <laughs> Uh, well, he's certainly not on Canarcart's level, is yeah, he? Yeah, like not even close. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Answers in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Justin in the chat, uh, who do we want the club to get a hold of? Do we want to bring in replacements for Fasuma or Morpe? Um, so I mean, I'll aim that question to you guys. Transfer window closes on Thursday. Uh, at what 11 p.m. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Brighton, as it stands, are 20th in the table for the least net spend. Uh, Manchester City in 19th, by the way. Um, so we are, we are, and we could spend about 30 million pounds uh, between now and Thursday and still be 20th in net spend. That's how much money we've made off of these players this, this summer. Crazy. Um, so we have money to, to spend if we want to do it. Um, I know that people get upset when we start spending Tony's money for him, uh, but that's that's what being a fan's about. So uh, if we're we're looking at those two options, um, Potter has been pretty clear that he would like he would like a replacement for Morpay. Um, what what do we think? Do you, would you like to see a, an a, an addition in midfield? Would you like to see anywhere else between now and Thursday? I mean, we're going to get our answers pretty quickly, but the clock's ticking. Um, what do we think? Do you do you think we'll make any? Would you like to see any? What What are we thinking? I can ask. Can I answer your question with a question? Um, of course. I, so I, I'm not saying this. I want to make it clear. I'm not saying this. Uh, but some some people might be saying something like this or be thinking it. But I am not thinking it. Is anyone worried about Dennis Indef? I know he scored in midweek. Is anyone worried about Dennis Indef? I'm not saying it. I'm just making this clear. Worried, worried in what sense? That he won't get up and running? Yeah. There's always that element of doubt, right? That it's not been the dream start, really, has it? He hasn't really had a chance. Yeah, I would say it has been a dream start because we've been so good, we haven't had to bring him on. Like, that's, it's, you can't blame him, can you? That he's not broken into a team that's 10 points from 12. Yeah, and you give him, you give him a cup game and he scores. He did miss a sitter. He, he did, did, yeah. But he didn't. He didn't miss one of them. I, I bring this up because uh, it, then it brings around for the the, the Mope question, right? Because what kind of striker are you trying to sign? Because if the club is confident that Undav is able to deliver goals in a poacher type 
play, so replacing what you wanted from Mope, then what are you signing? Or what kind of player would you be signing? Because then I don't think it's a Mope replacement. Um, and the the chap that was thrown out by Naylor yesterday, who I got some shit on for Twitter, uh, who scored about three goals in the last 14 years, um, Kwame, Christian Kwame um, from Fiorentina. He's, and someone kindly pointed this out to me, he, he's much more in the mould of a, a, a Welbeck uh, as opposed to a, a, a replacement for a Mope. So I'm wondering, the club is thinking that we, we have our Mope replacement already, right? So maybe we need to fill in the gaps and, and have someone else as a backup. I still think you need a backup to an injury to Danny Welbeck. I still think you need a central midfielder or a defensive midfielder. What do I think we'll do? Absolutely nothing. I think you're right. What what are we replacing? Uh, I think as soon as we saw we got Ndav over the January period, we were like, okay, well, not only does he physically look like Mope, but like he's, he also is in the same mould. Um, I think you're right. Kwame is identical to Welbeck in the way that he plays. From from what I've seen, that's very limited. Thing. That's not gospel. So you're then saying, well, okay, what about all these tool strikers that we always get linked with? You know, um, uh, and what are we doing there? Do we have an option for a target man or is is that another option? But you're, you're right. The, it's a suitable question is what what are we signing them for? And and do we really need to? Um, you've, you've had Potter in some of the conferences and, and saying, you know, We'd, we'd like to, but we, we don't really know what we're signing. And if they don't fit, then there's no point. Um, let's not sign people for the sake of deadline day, trying to get your, you know, a little bit of media scrum going. Um, if we don't need to replace, then we don't need to spend that money. There's no, there's no pressure there. Let's also give a shout out here to Grand Potter for clearly listening to the pod and laughing at his <laughs> press conference yesterday about how everyone keeps talking about us signing a 20 goal a season player and how on earth we do that. Salah and Kane were the only people that scored. <laughs> His line was, absolutely, I'll just ring Tony Bloom up and say, can we sign Harry Kane then? <laughs> <laughs> Good. It need, it, that sort of just needs to be yeah. just slammed like that. Um, yeah, that's stupid. Uh, I, Dagan in the chat, um, Cifuentes, Cifuentes uh, Ecuadorian midfielder, LAFC. Uh, I've been paying a bit more attention to him in uh, uh, highlights since he's been brought up. I can't bring myself to watch a full game against him, but he uh, he's very good. Um, and he really he really does remind me more and more of Jakob Moda um, as time goes by, uh, probably slightly better than him, but he's also in a worse league. So I don't know how, like, I don't know where that translates, but I, th- I think that is a place we need numbers because I mean, McAllister gets a one game ban and Lalana's hurt already and Ka- or, or rather Caicedo gets a one game ban and Lalana and Mac are, are, are hurt. We know one of them is injury prone as anything anyway and Caicedo is going to get one game bans from yellow card accumulations this year. Absolutely. So you have that happen and most teams are going to be a little bit weaker when half of their midfield's out but as has got, like we have none at that point um, and I would really like us to have something there um, because right now we 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 have a superb starting eleven midfield, um, but we have very little on the bench, and and that's something I would like to see us bring up. Yeah, uh, I mean, Scoot, I don't know if you've, if you've got, maybe some MLS players you've got your eyes on. You want to, you you want to? There's there's 
to be honest, there is a few that I'd, I would love to see. I, they would definitely not like watching, watching some players that I see there's, like I said, there's certain ones that you always just kind of like, Oh, you know, but I just don't think that some of these guys, like I know for sure what I've seen, uh, there's one guy in particular that I always have been like, I hope he gets his chance to go to that next level. And he he is the hometown guy. He is a Charlotte guy, and it's Brant Bronico. He is a midfield monster. He's he he's just always there. He is fantastic. Uh, he scored his first goal uh, for us two two weeks ago. Um, he is he's wherever you need him to be. Uh, he is fantastic, and I think if anybody was to get a chance to go to that next level, uh, it would be Brant Bronico. Um, there's one person in particular he did tear his ACL this year. He is out for the season, uh, but for Charlotte FC as well is Carujo. He, no matter what, um, and I don't know if Josh has, has watched him play it from time to time, but he he was our best defender, and he was one of the reasons why we stayed in all these games that we had. Uh, but if there was two, those would be the two players I would say for Charlotte in particular uh, that I would say deserve to go to that next level because Carujo was, he was going to more than likely, I would say probably be gone after this season with even with the ACL tear just because of how good he really is. Um, but Brant Bronico is just always there. He's always around. Uh, he's very physical. Um, and those are the only guys I really see. A lot of the other guys that we have, they I just don't see them being able to compete. But like heart, like, you know what I'm saying? Some players just have heart. But there was one guy in particular that was an MLS that I, I had seen rumors of, and I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but is it Attila, Attila or Attila from, uh, I think it was, um, he's a Hungarian international that I had yeah. grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa had said something about him, I believe. And I couldn't remember if it was, and they were talking I about s- a- s- Salai. Yeah. And that's, that was one of the players that I had heard that that was like the only little inkling of any kind of transfers that I had kind of listened to, but there was also other teams like Austin via Austin Villa and, um, and I believe, uh, West Ham was also looking at him too, but Graham had said something about him, I believe. I'm not 100% sure if it was true or not. But that was one of the other guys that I had saw that would mm-hmm. be a nice little insurance to the for the back, for the backfield and so that. And that was that was really the only players that I, would, I could think of, but I don't see any oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. There's a half no, decent guy on the right wing in LA seems half decent. He might be able to mm-hmm. get a couple of games for us. Uh, I think he's Welsh, isn't he? Um but, but <laughs> Bron- Bron- yeah. Bronico, you heard it here first. Uh uh, I will say, um, Bronico just signed a new deal with Charlotte Scooch. I don't know if you saw that. But I did. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Either way, I would say that if he um, if he got a chance, it would definitely be awesome. Carujo, though, uh, is the one player that I've been watching uh, regularly with Charlotte. That I feel like he could pretty much slot into any kind of non big six uh, back line um, and look comfortable. He's he's very good. Um, just looks better than most people on the pitch mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Yeah. Um, and you can see his frustration when the rest of the not so good back line lets him down because he's, he's playing the, the role of three men, but um, yeah, he's, he's very good actually. Uh, I was really surprised at, at just how good he, he, he has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, we'll see. Um, I don't think we need another center half though. I feel like that's a lie one. Um, I feel like his agent has gone into overdrive at the end of the mm-hmm. window. Because um, I've seen like several foreign clubs also been linked with yeah. him. It's like eighteen clubs in the last week have been linked with him. So I think his agent is just like spamming that like football manager like <laughs> offer to clubs, 
and it's just <laughs> like seeing if anyone's interested uh because it's yeah it i've seen his name thrown around a lot yeah. um and and i don't think anyone's that interested but uh fulham next up uh, just lost to arsenal um unlucky to do so very physical side uh playing much better uh in the premier league this year than they did two years ago uh made some decent ish signings Pereira especially um looks a very good player uh what are, what are we feeling tuesday um and and not so much about fulham because we we kind of know who they are right we're they're they're exactly what they should have been two years ago very very dynamic side very physical side uh but very prone to conceding um, pretty much as most teams are when they come up. But for the Albion, three games, three three days rest, we're probably going to start to see some rotation. What are, what are we thinking with that starting 11? Who, who would you, off the back of taking 10 points from 12, who would you like to see get a chance in that starting 11 uh, when inevitably some of those players are probably going to be rested? Oh, we're back to the conversation we had the last week where we're like, I don't know who we we can necessarily bring in at the moment, just given given the depth, especially if Lalana can't go again. Um and I think you could make the argument that you'd like to see Matoma play a full full or at least play 60, 70 minutes. That that could be interesting. Um you're right, and I think putting Undav in there changes the way we play. If we do what we did today, though, and we move it so that Trossard almost plays in that, he played in a bit more of a free role, it felt like, today. Um, and uh, I guess sort of number 10 style role. If you wanted to rest Trossard, you could arguably bring in a, a Matoma on and have for him and move things around a little bit. Outside of that, I think we go back to the age-old, um, let's let's get Lamptey a start. Let's, let's see what we can do there, too. Um, as we saw with Solly today, I mean, it's not like Lamptey's the best finisher in the world, but he adds a little bit more to his game than maybe Solly does. You can mix things around a little bit. You might even play Levi if you feel confident and you need to give one of the centre-halves a rest. There's some things we can do. I don't know how much it sort of changes the whole dynamic of the team, though. I'd like to see Matoma play. Um, I'm always big on the Japanese players. Uh, being a Celtic, being a, a Celtic fan, we're, we're Japanese heavy over there, so we they definitely uh, they're definitely awesome to watch. And I think it would definitely be cool to see him uh, get the thing. I I just I think Sully Sully shut down the other Pascal today. He he, he kind of if we really watch and he, he kind of really shut down the other Pascal. Didn't really give him a chance to really do stuff. And I'd like to see him stay in there. But Lanty, I would definitely like to see. Uh, him him get the start hopefully next week. See what happens. We haven't talked about Mwepu. Craig, maybe you were going to bring him off. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, he was one on the subs bench where he he obviously we were singing his praises around sort of goals and assists when he when he does play and sort of his sort of his extrapolated expected goals and assists if he if he played the whole season he he brings you that energy. Uh, in the middle um and i think as long as this team is playing the way it is i don't think he's really going to start but he's he's one that i would like to see in the, in the middle as well um but you you just you can't drop that midfield playing how they're playing at the moment so i think a lot of them are just going to have to wait their turn or, or be patient um until injuries or results go against us yeah i think when you look at that starting 11 of the players that may well need a rest you've obviously got Sorry, March, because he's been up and down that wing for three games, four games now. Uh, it's a it's 
we've talked at length about what Potter expects from his wingbacks and his wide players, and it's it's more than anybody else in the team. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was swapped out for for Lamptey on on Tuesday with the with the short turnaround. Um, and and like you said, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I would love to, I would love to swap Trossard with Mitoma, not permanently, but in the role that Trossard played today, I would love to see Mitoma in that yeah, role yeah. Tuesday. Um, bearing in mind that Trossard has played that wingback role for three games before Estepinian came in, he he's had a lot of work to do. He's covered a lot of ground. Um, Better at wingback as well, for my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as in compared to where he played today and what he did. Yep, I agree with you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Mwepu on midweek. Um, Potter loves him. Clearly, he's very high on him. He's getting him on every chance he can from the subs bench. He obviously considers him an important player, whether it's protecting a lead or chasing a win. Uh, he's bringing him on every single time. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes on. Who for? I don't know. Um, and then Welbeck as well. Like, we've really got to be careful with him. Like, yeah, like, we've talked at length about how, like, we've, He's in the form of his life. Like we don't want to lose it because we wanted to play him three games in a row, like three days back to back. Um, if there's a game for it, I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Undav in there. Um, the only thing I would then say is if you're going to swap Trossard and Welbeck, you're, you're taking a big risk in terms of consistency. So I think one of them's got to be dropped uh, just for the sake of set fitness sake, and, and Welbeck's the obvious one given the form he's in and the proneness that he has to injury. The cat either know. agrees or disagrees with you. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I heard that yeah. through the headphones as well. Um, but that's that's for my money, though. The wingbacks uh, and those two up top are ones to worry about. If Lalana um, had played today, he would have been on that list as well. Uh, very much so for swapping out. Um, but he, he didn't even make it. So <laughs> never mind. Yeah, there's I, I, there is a... I think it's easy to, to worry when things are at such a high point because this is the start of the season has gone better than I think even our most optimistic fans could have expected. I think we're all coming into this like, have we done enough in the transfer market? Other teams have got strong. It feels like a very tough league this year. And then we come in and we do what we've done. Uh, And then you look at the games that we have upcoming and you can truly think, wow, we could, we could do something pretty special here. Josh, you've been talking about this, like something, something, something special feels like it's in, in the offing, it can fall apart real quick when the key cogs of your team suddenly go out injured or can't play. Like, how would you feel tomorrow if you know Kaiseido has a couple of game ban and Danny Welbeck gets injured? We're playing a very different style of football all of a sudden. It completely changes everything. You don't have your man that can hold up up top. You don't have someone that can actually really play defensive midfield. And suddenly there's holes all over the place and you're playing a very different game. We're playing four at the back again. Everyone's crying. Um, so that's, <laughs> you know, so I, I hope linking this back to the transfer discussion is, is I go back to the depth, just the depth piece. I want to see more depth um, in, in this squad for the inevitable situation that, that, that might occur. Because right now we're in dream state, right? We can move pieces around in this team and not upset the balance. Wonderful position to be in. But whether we're going to be that in that position by past a World Cup in February of next year, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, a lot of games to go. We're only four in, but we are 25 percent of the way to safety. 40 points. Uh, we are 25 percent of the way there, um, and there's no reason to think that we can't be 
halfway there uh, with the next four games coming up. Um, I, well, I don't think it's likely, but I, I don't see why you couldn't. Um, it's these first first four that I expected to get not much from. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we spoke, you know, a couple of weeks ago, where it's just like get through get through United and Newcastle, do what we can against Leeds, depending on the start they have. And then let's just look ahead. We've got Fulham, we've got Bournemouth, we've got a dodgy Leicester side at home. They're the ones we want to be looking at taking points from, picking up that momentum against. And we're going into them unbeaten with 10 from 12. Um, yeah. At that point, you know, we get to the end of September uh, with with a half-decent run there. You're going to get some very over-the-top reactions. Uh, but they're all going to be fun to read because they're going to be good ones. So... Yeah, that Burnmouth game should be a should be a pretty uh, fun one after what happened with Liverpool today. <laughs> we'll lose it. I mean, yeah, we will lose against Bournemouth. There's no so, doubt. I was just like these four games is is so Brighton to go in get two three points from points. these four games. So yeah. I, my feet are firmly on the ground. It's a good start, but I <laughs> I know the. Brighton and XG Albion will be out in four, so I'm, I'm sure. So uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know we we like I think Potter said in one of his things he said just stay humble, take it one game at a time, see what we can do. And um, but yeah, these sort of over the top reactions are a little bit much at this point. So uh, let's let's uh, keep keep calm and carry on as as, uh, as everyone says. We've been hurt too much in the past. It's almost like you, I'm fully expecting getting one point from Just, the next three yeah. games. And we, and I'm, I'm we'll ready. Liverpool. Yeah. I'm ready to get hurt again. So, uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Pain, suffering. <laughs> <laughs> what a start, though. Massive. Yeah. I just started. We didn't um, talk just very quickly about our annoying yeah. next next games, uh, next game in the cup. Uh, which is a bit of a shitty draw for us, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, so uh, anybody hoping for a cup run, we've just drew Arsenal away. Um, if you if we weren't paying attention midweek uh, after the win against Forest Green, so if we were hoping for a cup run, it's the FA Cup in question. Uh, <laughs> we switched cups now because <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a brutal one, isn't it? I would imagine that uh, we'll probably be playing a much changed eleven, and so will they. But if their momentum continues in this vein of form. Uh, it's it's about as it's about as tough a try as you can ask for, isn't it? Well, it's really frustrating too because it it, it comes in between th- three days after away against Wolves and then home uh, the four days before home at Villa. So it's like and in that November period, oh, you almost sort of think, I wonder if Potter's just going to throw out you know Team Evan Ferguson and see what <laughs> see what happens at that point. Yeah. It's going to be rough. Uh, we'd have to rest anyway because we'll be top four at that point and we're going to need to be thinking about European football. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, already, I already have Arsenal fans messaging me and talking crap. So it's it's been fun the past few days getting, getting a bunch of DMs from Arsenal fans. I have a lot of friends who are Arsenal fans and they're just – talking all this crap and I was like, well, we beat you last year. So what do you, I said, I don't care what happens. We're, I, I'm taking from what we did last year and we're just going to work on that. You can't just look the Arsenal family. They've been pathetic for so many years at this point. They've come out and beaten Bournemouth and Fulham. I think they're Kings of the world. They need exactly. to take a seat. Unbelievable. Calm down. It's okay. You'll be, yeah. you'll be back. You'll be back to normal soon. 
Yep. All right, fellas. Uh, I think that about wraps everything for us. Uh, we've covered a bunch. Uh, next week, well, this week rather, I suppose, uh, we've got a couple of different events coming up. Fulham on Tuesday night, of course. Uh, big one. I mean, we win that and shit's going to be wild uh, going into Thursday. Um, but it could be the per- the perfect kind of feet on ground moment if we don't get a result there. Uh, calm everybody down a little bit. Uh, get eyes focused on that transfer window closing on Thursday. Um, so in terms of when we're going to record, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll let you know as and when we get there. Um, so, but we will be on at some point this week to talk about the game and the transfer window. Um, so just keep an eye out for those links and, and those podcast episodes as and when they drop or episode, I don't know. Um, but yeah, if that's everything from everyone else, uh, we're good to wrap here. Um, and we will speak to you sometime this week. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Scoots, thanks, thanks for guys. joining us. Thank you yeah, guys so much. You. It was a lot of fun, guys. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you.